1: On NBA Draft Week coverage. It's going to be amazing. Chad Ford, his second visit with us. If you haven't heard Mike Schmitz, part one and two, we're the first Chad Ford. There's great NBA draft coverage. And we're going to be in hard with Chad right now on Lock on NBA. I'm David Lock, host of Locked On NBA Radio, voice of the jazz uh, NBA insider. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Locked On Sports. You can also follow me uh, at Locked On Sports on Facebook and David Locke on Facebook. Locked On NBA is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today is an exciting day. Locked On Bulls debuts. Locked On Magic debuts. Locked On Golf with Real Golf Radio has started as well. So check it all out at Audio Boom on the Locked On Podcast network or subscribe to your iTunes to any of the Locked On podcast stations. Locked On NBA plus now Locked On Bulls, Locked On Jazz, Locked On Magic and others coming. Brett Dawson has signed up for Locked On Pelicans to debut here in the near future. Today's show is brought to you by Larson Digital. The good people at Larson Digital are going to convert your movie film, transfer it to DVD or save it on 1080 high definition for you on MP for, whatever you need, and 25% off movie, film, and videotape transfers with the promo code LOCKED. Go to LarsonDigital.com slash LOCKED. Brought to you by the Utah MBA Online Program. It's time for you to take the next step in your career. Do it with the University of Utah's MBA Online Program, one of the top 10 online programs in the West custom made for you and getting the same MBA degree as you do with the on-campus students. Go to UtahMBAOnline.com and of course by seat C- Geek, the number one place to get your seats. Enter the promo code LOCKED and get $20 back after your first purchase. Now to Chad Ford. The second visit with Chad Ford. How lucky are we on Locked On NBA? Uh, Thank you very much, Chad. We greatly appreciate it. We are recording this Sunday uh, before Game 7 of the finals, before the basketball world stops and everyone glues into one of the you know, maybe greatest games in the history of the league, probably top five most important games in the history of the league. So we'll, we'll talk a little draft uh, beforehand. Chad, uh, how, in your mind, is this draft, as we sit on the Sunday before, different than previous drafts that you've been a part of? Uh, I've never.
0: I think. I think two things. One, I, I've never seen quite so much parody, uh, uh, both in in tiers. Uh, in Tiers 3 and in Tiers 4. Uh, this is, there is just a massive range uh, of players right now uh, that teams are considering and having a hard time sorting between them right now. And uh, so normally, uh, four days before the draft, I could tell you pretty tight ranges for virtually every player in the top 30 and be within a five, you know, a five team range of where they're going to go and probably have them narrowed down to two or three teams uh, that, that, that they'll go to. And a lot of times on draft night, I will get the wrong team, but the range is, is usually really, really accurate. Uh, this year, uh, as I'm going through the list, you know, there's guys nine to 25, uh, eight to 23, uh, you know, 10 to 30. I, it's uh It's pretty incredible, and it's going to make for a really ugly mock draft, but a really fun draft night, I think. And I think the second thing is just to see actually the impact of these finals on the draft as teams are watching the Golden State Warriors, as they're watching the Cleveland Cavaliers, as as they're looking at the elite teams in the NBA and what they're doing, they look to the draft and ask, where are players that play like those players play? And it means that some guys' stocks are rising based off of what their comps and the NBA are doing. And, and some guys who 10 years ago might be 10, 20 spots higher in the draft are falling because those skill sets are, are uh, out of vogue. And so I, I think those are the those are the two things that really interest me. And the, and the draft's always trendy this way, uh, that this draft – Seems especially strong because I think we're on the verge of something larger in the NBA, uh, a, a trend that is de emphasizing the traditional center, that is emphasizing both passing and, and shooting. And and that is is leading us uh, down a direction where um, what teams are looking for in the draft have changed.
1: We'll get back to the what I call the backstop because that's actually the Sunday before the draft. Sunday, Monday, I always do the backstop exercise, and it's it's impossible. We'll get to that, but let's get back. Let's go specifically what you just ended with. Who's in your mind rising because of the trends of the game, and then obviously who's falling because of the trends of the game.
0: Well, you know, let's let's look at this top and one of the reasons why ben Simmons is so attractive is is his ability to have positional size where he can defend multiple positions on the floor and and is just a sheer passing ability uh you know teams look at him and and even though he can't shoot or he's not a good shooter yet which is which is a red flag and something else that teams are looking for that ability to pass the ball i would argue in some teams mind has has now um Gotten even bigger than, than than shooting in their minds as as, as a skill set uh, that they really want. So you start at the top at, uh, with Ben Simmons, you go right to Brandon Ingram at two, and what does he do? He guards multiple positions on the floor, and he can stretch the floor at six ten with a seven three wingspan. Um, boom! That's that that's exciting. Jamal Murray uh, at three, multi positional player can play the one or two, not just a great shooter but a very good passer as well and somebody who, who rises because of that. Dragon Bender, a guy who can play multiple positions on the floor and can stretch the floor and shoot the three. Uh, another guy uh, in this, if we're big, this combination of can you protect the rim and stretch the floor, uh, you see multiple guys in this draft uh, that can do that. Scott Lavissier, who had an absolutely atrocious freshman season at Kentucky, Will likely go in the lottery because he possesses those skills, even though we rarely saw them on the floor uh, at at Kentucky, and a couple of players that maybe you would think would go higher in the draft that aren't like Buddy Heald, for example, who can really shoot the basketball, and that part is, is attractive. But his lack of ability to see the floor, his lack of passing skills, ball handling skills, his sort of, is his inability to guard sort of multiple positions on the floor, all make him a little less attractive uh, uh, to teams uh, than maybe he might be in previous previous seasons. And it just goes down the list. Now, Denzel Valentine uh, is another guy that he's he's slipped a little bit because of the, the concerns about his uh his knees uh, but again a guy who is looking like a lottery pick even though he's not very athletic because of his ability to shoot the basketball and uh, to pass the basketball and to play multiple positions on the floor
1: Back with more with Chad in a second. Today's edition of Locked on NBA is brought to you by the Utah NBA Online Program. UtahNBAOnline.com. The NBA Online Program is accredited by the AACSB. And the U.S. News World Report ranked program one of the top ten online programs in the West. All right, so life's busy. Your family there, you're traveling, you've got all these things going on and you want to improve your life. You want to improve your career. So the online MBA program is the answer because it's an MBA anytime Anywhere specifically designed for working professionals seeking an innovative online MBA with high-level flexibility at the University of Utah, 801-587-8870, utahmbaonline.com. They've covered all the bases. The courses are optimized for online delivery. They provide personalized coaching through the Career Advancement Center, tailored to wherever you are in your career. And the highly selective program provides network opportunities with classmates through on-campus three-day residency or group projects. Wherever you may be, however you might need to get it done, this is the way to take a step forward in your career. It's the Utah MBA Online Program, utahmbaonline.com. Three terms start February, March, and August, and they're accepting applications now for the fall of 2016. Call 801-587-8870, com. All right, so you mentioned Denzel Valentine, and when we chatted in our previous conversation, we had kind of a DeJounte-Murray-Denzel-Valentine conversation. If you were to ask me the first question I asked you about what my feeling is, I may have changed in the two weeks since we've talked, Chad, with the amount of video I've watched, usually – The Jazz have been floating around 12. I'm usually watching those players. In the last few years, there have been guys that I really liked. Interestingly, often ones the Jazz took. Uh, When I watched Jabari Parker, I kept wondering who Rodney Hood was. When I watched, and often it happens that way, where I'm watching one player and somebody else jumps out. Honestly, I've not had that happen at all this year. I've watched eight players in depth. I don't have a guy that I love. And suddenly I go back to Denzel Valentine, who I watched the first time and was like, eh. And I got some concerns, but I find myself almost more open to a Denzel Valentine or a Sabonis or some of these guys where it's just kind of, okay, I got what I'm getting and I don't, the risk factor's low and the ceiling's low, but I'm, gosh, I. I'm having a hard time when I watch some of these other guys seeing that. What I want to see, that makes me say, ah, he's got it.
0: Well, that's because you're looking at guys that are going 12. And, and, you know, frankly, at that point, I think somewhere in the range of like nine to 25, you're talking about guys that are probably role players in the NBA. They're probably rotation players. And so most of those guys just, there's not going to be a lot about their game that necessarily pops or if certain things pop, there's weaknesses that pop equally strong uh, that, that make you question whether they're going to be able to have success in the NBA. And so, look, I understand the, uh, the inclination for us a bonus or a Fat Valentine, because you know what you have there. And while the ceiling may be low, the floor is high and, they, they look like much more stable rotation player type players in the NBA than maybe a guy like a DeJounte Murray or a Deontay Davis or a Check Diallo or a Wade Baldwin who have some qualities that could allow them to pop and be more than rotation players that have significant weaknesses to their game that also mean they could be out of the league in three years.
1: It's incredible. I mean, you just went and did the comparisons on a bunch of guys there, right? Like, I watched Sabonis and then watched Davis. Okay, Davis looks like an NBA player. He passes every eye test imaginable. Sabonis doesn't. But, again, like, to your, what you just said is so much of this draft. Like, I might just take Sabonis and say, all right, I got a 6'10 guy with 240 pounds whose motor runs endlessly and cares about winning. That equation almost always works.
0: And, and look, I really think it depends on where you're at as a team right now. And I think it depends on how badly you actually need to hit in this draft, to hit a, to hit a single uh, or to hit something. I, I think for teams that, that are ta- lacking talent right now and lacking assets, someone like a Sabonis, for example, or, or someone like a Valentine actually make a lot of sense because they're, they're guaranteed to at least be somewhat valuable. In the league, and again, I'm putting a caveat there for Valentine because there are among teams significant um, concerns about the long-term health of his knees, and obviously, medical means a lot, and it's very difficult to get specifics, and and not even very difficult to get teams to sort of agree on things. But that's that's an obvious sort of asterisk out there, right? Um, uh, is is what will his long-term medical health be? I think if you're a team, and I actually think the Jazz fall into this category. Of a team that actually, you know what, they really like their starting five. And on top of that, they even have rotation players now on this team that are extremely attractive. Uh, they're young. Uh, they can do a lot of things. You know, they have Trey Lyles and, and they have Rodney Hood uh, on this team and guys that um, are coming off the bench, but have significant uh, talent. I think that allows the Jazz to sit back and say, look, we don't necessarily need our ninth guy to be our ninth or 10th guy to be a, a rotation player right now. We can pick that guy up, you know, via free agency or we're comfortable with that. So why not hit for one of these upside guys be, t- be patient, take a couple of years. We know we don't need to contribute now. And if we strike out, we didn't really do anything to damage the long-term health of our franchise or our plan. Um, but if we hit a double or a triple, suddenly we have this other huge asset out there um, that might help us down the road.
1: Back with more Chad. They've been with us from the very beginning. It's SeatGeek. They are always the first place I go to look for tickets and to a concert or a show. They have been loyal to Locked On NBA and I appreciate if you're loyal to them as well. Just have the SeatGeek app on your phone. I used it just the other day to look for tickets to a concert coming up at locally here at an outdoor concert uh, venue. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available from all the other sites in one place. Saves you time and money. You never miss a deal and they can get alerts for you. Plus, they tell you which Seats are the best. And they, like the Warriors Cavs game, I was looking at SeatGeek to see what prices were, and they were telling me that these one seats would be better than others and are better values. Same thing with the concert tickets I was looking at. They're able to do that. And best of all, it was upfront. No service charges, no other surprises along the way. And if you use the promo code LOCKED, you get $20 back. Here, do this. Download the SeatGeek app right now. Go to the settings tab, add the promo code, and enter in LOCKED. Now, when you use SeatGeek, you'll get $20 back after the first time you use the purchase. But do it for me now. Download the SeatGeek code so that they, the promo code locks. so SeatGeek knows that you're listening, you're using them. And then when the time comes, go ahead and use SeatGeek and you'll enjoy the experience. Let's go back to the top of the draft. And uh, I call it the backstop exercise, where I literally put down the top you know, 20, 30 players in the draft and then try to figure out the last possible spot they could get drafted. On the, When I started this today, the top eight guys I have at eight, I don't know what order yet. We can get into that in a second. Do you agree that the top eight is really well settled right now? And
0: it's The top eight is the top eight. Uh, the, the only guy that I could see potentially sliding out of that top eight is Jalen Brown, though based off of his workouts the last – a uh, few weeks, and the feedback that I've gotten from teams that have seen him work out, I think that's that's unlikely. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, I'd have said Jalen Brown was the guy that could slide out of that, uh, but I don't think so based off of his workouts now that, that that'll that happen.
1: Last year, Willie Colley-Stein, we had the same situation, actually, when I went back and reviewed my notes. We thought eight were set, and then Willie Colley-Stein jumped in. Is there anybody you think could jump in?
0: Yes, it, because Sacramento is sitting at eight. And And by the way, guess who drafted Willie Cully Stein right. last year with Sacramento, right? I mean, you're talking about a team that has really not had a real front office organization going. They have not had the same level of scouting or progress or what have you. The, the, the entire front offices have been in disarray. It took them forever to hire uh, a, 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 an, an assistant GM that, that really knew what they were doing. It's, it's a mess. I mean, they are months and months behind the other teams in the league on just where they're at in their scouting preparation for this. And, and that's, that's where it can lead to mistakes. But with all that said, I know they love Buddy Hill. And so if Buddy's there at eight, then, and that's, I think the most likely spot he lands, then, then it's a foregone conclusion. I think that the top eight are there. If he's not there, that's the team that I could see pulling a wild card and bringing in a Sabonis, for example, and and putting him in the top eight. All
1: right, uh, what is at least in my calls? I'm getting no traction on three through eight. Uh, obviously, starting off with Boston is the first mystery. What is, we're talking Sunday? What is your? And a, you know, this can all change. Trades. I, I got to figure somebody in here moves, but trades are hard to be made. What's your feeling on? What happens three through eight personnel wise?
0: You know, right now, here's where I'm more comfortable uh, is starting to eliminate guys in that oh, age. Like great way to do it. that, that that's that's I think where we're going. And if, if you were to ask me today who Boston wouldn't take out of those eight, I think you could scratch two guys off the list. I think you can scratch Bender off the list, and I think you can scratch Buddy uh, Healed uh, off the list at eight. Jamal Murray, uh, Chris Dunn, uh, Jalen Brown, Marquise Chris, I think they're all still uh, in the mix there uh, at, at three. You get to Phoenix, and I, I think that it's pretty safe to cr- cross Chris Dunn uh, off the board there. I think it's pretty safe to cr- uh, cross off Buddy Hill, and I think it's pretty safe to uh, cross off uh, Jamal Murray uh, off, off their roster. I think that given their strength in the backcourt – um, both with two point guards and Devin Booker that they drafted uh, last year and that they really like. They have a massive need at the four. Um, they have several really good candidates there. And they could also use, uh, I, I think, somewhat of an upgrade at small four, which puts Jalen Brown uh, in the picture there. I, again, not every team is going to draft for need. Uh, but when you have a glaring need and you have these guys all uh, sort of balled together, uh, it would be a very unusual move by the Suns to not address that need at four and pick another guard. Um, at five, uh, a little bit harder at five because you could see Minnesota going a number of directions. I think surprisingly, just based off intel, I think you can scratch Dragan Bender off the board there, even though I actually think he would be a very, very nice fit uh, for them. And I think you can you can scratch Buddy I uh, healed off the board there, um, in Minnesota as well. I think this is Chris Dunn, Jamal Murray, uh, Jalen Brown are, and, and Marquise Chris. I think those are the four guys, um, that are in the mix there. And, uh, let's see, that takes us to six to New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans, I don't, I don't know that you can scratch any of those guys off the list. I think as you get further down, I think those teams have, have basically said, we're going to take, uh, who's left uh, on the board. Obviously, backcourt is a huge need, uh for them, both at the one and the two, and some combination of Chris Dunn, uh, Jamal Murray, and, and Buddy Heald seems like uh, the most likely, likely three that go there. And then by the time you get to Denver at seven, it's just, well, you know, we're going to take whoever the leftover is.
1: There's two interesting things in the f- first part of this draft that or excuse me one robert sarver the owner of phoenix deals with losing and uh, long term planning arguably as poorly as any owner in the nba and i'm just speaking on track record right they didn't stick to their plan last time and he fired Hornasecki here and using those two things as fact based to make that comment uh, that's i wonder if there is there is there a player in the draft last year it was Przingis or even Winslow, that teams want to go get enough that they think's gonna be a star, that they would trade an established player to Phoenix. Because I think Phoenix might be willing to move out of that pick if they got a bona fide player, believing then, hey, we put Bledsoe, Knight, Booker, and whatever big guy, you know, four we get in a trade that we would suddenly be a playoff without with Tyson Chandler, we're now a playoff contender again, because that's what they want to be. They have no interest in building. They've shrunk. Right. Do you see a player in the here that someone would be willing to, to sacrifice a lot for the way people offered New York for Persingus, the way people offered Miami for Winslow last year?
0: You know what's really interesting about what you just described with Phoenix is that I can make the exact same argument about Boston. I can make the same argument about Minnesota, New Orleans. Uh, um, Denver and Sacramento. Literally all those franchises have don't want anything to do with the lottery anymore. Uh, Danny Ainge is desperately trying to uh, – no, they're not in the lottery, but he's desperately trying to put all of his assets together uh, to get a guy who's really going to be moving the needle in Boston. I don't think they think the number three pick – as good as it might be, is really going to move the needle in Boston. Tom Thibodeau is in there now. They already have their two young building blocks in Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. I think he would desperately like to add a couple of young veterans to this roster and push for the playoffs next year, thinking that will help the development more than anything that they could get at five. New Orleans is very anxious about where they've been, and how stalled they've been in their plan, and knowing that Anthony Davis eventually is going to come up and become an unrestricted free agent again, even though he's just now started his new contract, they know the clock is ticking uh, on these guys and that they have to start to put a real team around uh, Anthony Davis there. If they ever want a shot at keeping him uh, down the road, they're very anxious. Del Demps is hanging by a thread. Uh, In New Orleans right now, they know they need to make the playoffs. I could see them making that deal. Denver has been in this weird rebuild with lots of middling talent. I think if they could package guys together and get one standout player, they would do it. And you know, everything in Sacramento right now is focused on this team being a playoff team next year and not returning to the lottery and given the the draft protections that they have on their pick next year it won't even help them to get in the lottery they're going to have to move their pick uh, and so you know for all of those reasons uh I think that there's a great chance we're going to see a trade i'm um, in 3 to 7 if you ask me who that player is again i think there's so much parity around the league every front office will have a different guy that they sort of have number 3 on their board if i if i would tell you tonight who that guy might be i i, I might say and this might change in three or four days. But right now there does seem to be a lot of interest in Chris Dunn out of Providence. I think he's a little bit older. I think people feel like he's a sure thing because at the very least, he is a multi-positional defender who plays with athleticism, length and toughness, and he's going to be able to lock down both ones and twos and that they feel like there's enough point guard skills there. There's enough offensive skills there that he could be a good starting point guard in the NBA and also given the position and how important the position is that might elevate Dunn above the other guys just a bit.
1: So I was watching Wade Baldwin play Kentucky and Jamal Murray had like 26 in the first half and was otherworldly. I watched Jamal Murray at the Nike hoop summit where he was the best player on the floor two years ago. So I went and decided to go watch Jamal Murray. I think he's going to be terrific. What am I what, – what, like, that's my guy. Like, if I'm an NBA team and Phoenix is moving four and Jamal Murray's on the floor, on the board, I, I think Jamal Murray's scoring – I don't want to – I hate it when people say he's a 20-point-a-game scorer. Look around. There aren't that many guys. But I think he is. I think he legitimately could score 20 points a game in the NBA. Uh, I I I think he translates. I think he's more of a one than he showed at Kentucky when I watch him. But they had a lineup that didn't let him play one. Frankly, he got had to play with three point guards at one time, one of which that couldn't shoot, which gave him no room. Uh, I don't know. Am I nuts on this one? Because I, I don't hear it from many other people. I, I really like him.
0: Yeah, I'm a little confused on that, too, for a couple of reasons. Uh, I, the analytics actually point to Jamal Murray um, being the guy. Uh, that's pretty clear. Uh, age-wise, he's 19, Chris Dunn's 22, Buddy Heald's 22. Those are the guys that he's sort of in c- competition with. He averaged 20 points a game as a freshman at, at, at Kentucky. Buddy Heald averaged 7.8 points a game as a freshman at Oklahoma with minutes. Chris Dunn averaged 6 points a game at 27 minutes a game as a freshman at Providence. Uh, you know, that, that you've got to look at. Uh, it's one thing if the guy didn't have a chance to play and, and, you know, you can look at those numbers and say, well, the guy didn't really have a chance to do anything. Jamal Murray had a chance to do do something. And he was on the floor with a bunch of uh, McDonald's all Americans, by the way, um, as well. And so it wasn't like, well, he was the only talented guy um, that they had on that roster and, and his shooting ability, everything that you said, look, the concern is, is simply, can he guard anybody in the NBA? That That's it. If they were convinced that Murray could guard somebody in the NBA, I think it would be a slam dunk that he'd be the number three pick. But he struggled to guard quick athletic players uh, at Kentucky. I think they feel like that's going to become even more of an issue, that his lateral quickness is pretty suspect uh, when it gets to the next level. And as good as he's going to be offensively, will he be able to bring anything to the table defensively? Of course, people said the same thing about C.J. McCollum. And had deep, deep concerns. Is he a point guard? Is he a two guard? Can he guard anybody in the NBA? Yes, he's a really great scorer, but, you know, that's sort of all he is. And he's an okay athlete, but he's not an elite athlete. And he looks pretty pretty damn good.
1: Chad's doing a fabulous job. We'll have more with Chad in a second. Let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Larson Digital. It's LarsonDigital.com backslash locked for the promo code. But here's the thing. Videotapes can be transferred to DVD. You can also get them to MP4 video files for your computer. There's slides you have laying around. Maybe your dad has them like I do. Uh, He has movie films, negative photos. You've got to convert these things to digital to continue to keep your family's legacy Out there, so all the media can be saved on a disk, hard drive, or downloaded by the people at Larson Digital. They're great people. They've been in the business for a long, long time. I know it's hard to give up these items and trust Larson Digital. Will are trustworthy? They're going to do a fabulous job. It'll be worth it. I know it's hard to let go of these memories for the brief time, but now what you're going to get is have them. Forever, And they've got a special deal for you, 25% off movie, film, and videotape transfers to digital. Use the coupon code LOCKED. For more details, go to LarsonDigital.com backslash LOCKED. If you want to talk to them personally, 801-782-5155. 801-782-5155. Movie film, all videotapes, all sorts of things, whether you want it on the cloud, whether you want it on disc, They can take care of you and get it done. So check it out with LarsonDigital.com. And if you're locally in Utah, Bountiful, Sandy, and Orem, they have locations you can drop it off in hand. If not, they'll do UPS or FedEx for you. It's LarsonDigital.com backslash locked or call 801-782-5155. In Portland right now. The thing that gets me... On, on some of this draft analysis that I, th- I think it's lost right about now, and maybe, maybe they doesn't. I mean, maybe it's unfair for me to, in my chair, say, I think these GMs are losing this, but I think they get so in the mix. There's a level to me where, like, I want to ask you a comp on a player, and you got to give me ten guys immediately. If I ask you a comp on Jamal Murray, frankly, if I ask you a comp on Wade Baldwin, if I, you can give me, like, ten guys. Like, I feel pretty good if I've got that. When you suddenly have to give me a comp on... I don't know, I don't mean to criticize, but Denzel Valentine, or maybe even Scalabossier, frankly. And you only got one or two guys as your comp. Uh, you know, frankly, Ante uh, uh, Zizic was in, or I don't know how to pronounce it, if that's the right way, was in the other day for Zizic. us. Zizic. You know what, and he, he looks a bit a little bit like Tiago Splitter, and he looks a little bit like, you know, on the upside, Jonas Valanciunas. which was probably a little high since he was a fifth pick. And, he you know, he looks like, okay, I can list five guys. And he looks like, okay, you know what, he'll probably – He's 6'11", 235. two thirty five. He'll probably succeed in the league. Sometimes I feel like, like on a Jamal Murray, I, I can we can go see we can go twelve guys, right? There, there are a ton of guys like see Jamal Murray that would make me very comfortable taking him.
0: I, I'm I'm with you on Jamal Murray. Look, I, I I also think the makeup, the mental makeup of this kid is such a strong positive. You look at his background. You look at the fact that his dad was a coach. You look at you look at how he not only handled himself at the Nike Hoop Summit, um, the year that he dominated every, everybody, but he was also on that team the year before, uh, when he was 17 years old and belonged, absolutely belonged as a 17 year old out there on the floor. And that, that, that tells me a lot about who this young man is and, and, and I think what he's capable of. But again, I see Dunn, too. You don't see a lot of point guards that are going to come into the league with his size and his length and and his aggressiveness. Uh, And and I see that, too. I I have more questions about him offensively. But if you were to tell me, uh, especially early in his career, that he was a bigger Kyle Lowry, I could buy that uh, for Chris Dunn. Uh, I think they play with a similar level of aggression defensively and a, a, a similar level of sort of athleticism and toughness. Uh, and, and, you know, Kyle Lowry was a much, much, a pretty big work in progress offensively uh, for a while in the league, but he figured it out. And, uh, you know, I could see that. And uh, Dragan Bender, I can see, I, I just can see that. I, I, I think Dragan Bender is way better than what he showed at Maccabi because he was put in such a limited role. I'm there that there's a lot more there uh, than we see, and, uh, and I can make an argument for all those guys. I can, by the way, I can make an argument for Marquise Chris. Though I can also, but with Marquise Chris, I have a a, a pretty long list of upside ceiling guys that he reminds me of, and I also have a very long list of upside bust guys uh, that he reminds me of. Um, he's the he's the scariest one of me. So Tyrus t- Tyrus uh,
1: because- Thomas is on that list. I take it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tyrus Thomas is a great, great example. Stroman Swift. Uh, I mean, you can you can go through um, the graveyard of bad lottery picks, and lots of them look like Tyrus Thomas because teams are going to err on the side of those elite athletic abilities. But then when a guy hits, everybody looks around and says, "Well, why the hell didn't you take him?" I mean, why does Amari Stoudemire fall to nine in the draft? They're worried about again you know, guys that had busted, but then Amari pops and he's great. And, uh, and uh, who I actually think what will be interesting with him is I'm not a hundred percent convinced he's a four cause he doesn't rebound, but I think he has the athleticism and quickness and offensive abilities to actually be a three in the NBA in the in a hybrid way, in the sort of way that Sean Marion uh, was kind of a three, four uh, in the NBA I think he's going to want uh, to play on the perimeter. I think he's going to want to do that more. And I think he has the quickness uh, to defend out there. And I, I could see Marquis Chris ultimately being a three uh, in the NBA. Of course, they said the same thing about Tyrus Thomas, and look what happened.
1: That's interesting. Interesting stuff. All right, so the, we, we all play these games uh, with the numbers and the probabilities and this and that, so there should be two All-Stars uh, in the top ten picks. you have any doubt that it's Simmons and Ingram, or you think there's anyone else?
0: I think it will be Simmons. I think it will be Ingram. But I think one of those other eight that we talked about will hit. And I think the rest won't. Uh, and uh, and I think that's what everybody's trying to figure out. I think Jamal Murray, to me, has the strongest argument, and in part just because fans vote for all-star players and, and they vote for scores. Uh, and scoring is the um, Kevin Pelton bemoans this every year, but scoring is the one thing that seems to attract the the votes of not just not just fans, but media writers and everyone else. And Jamal Murray to me is the most likely to be the guy that's going to really put up points uh, in the NBA. So I'd probably put him as the most likely guy.
1: You mentioned Kevin Pelton. Uh, we'll do a podcast with him this week as well, as we always do, uh, and he'll get more into it. But you mentioned in our previous podcast about the great ESPN numbers work uh, that was done. Kevin's done some of that. Uh, I think it was Sharon Katz and Paul Sabin. I wrote down those names. I think that's right. Uh, did some really interesting stuff. eight's done some stuff in the, that involved those. What jumped out if you were a GM and you were looking at the numbers work that ESPN has done. What moved your meter the most, Chad? Well, I, I look at I, I look at um here,
0: here's how I, I've been convinced with the draft numbers, and because I, th- I think the draft numbers maybe don't have quite as solid a track record in projecting players as as some of the NBA analytics do of, of, sort of explaining who's good and who's not good in the NBA, because it's, it's trying to take a different game and project certain things from that game and try to try to figure out the future. Also when they're at y- the youngest, they could possibly be. And with so many freshmen entering the draft also with a pretty small data set uh, sometimes, which is, which Kevin will admit is really interesting, but I, I've pointed this out to Kevin before. One of the things that always strikes me about his list, especially is that there's a there's a cutoff. There's an absolute point on his list when you go back historically over the last 10 decades that anybody below this line did not make it in the NBA. Uh, and it's striking, right? Anybody below this line, and you ought to ask Kevin when you get on his podcast exactly what that number is, what that projected warp is, uh, that you can go literally through the whole list, and I think I found one guy, Nick Young, uh who was ranked below that line who somehow stuck in the NBA and if Nick Young is what you're holding your hopes on then that's that's pretty pathetic. And and that line to me is the scary line. Right? If you see a guy projected in the lottery that's below that line, that scares the hell out of me. And that's why I am still struggling uh with Jalen Brown out of Cal. Uh his his numbers for Kevin are just absolutely Awful, and if you watched him at Cal, you can totally understand why why those numbers would suggest um, that he's going to have problems in the NBA. And I worry with Jalen Brown that you look at the body; it's an elite NBA body. It looks like an Adonis. You look at the elite athletic ability, and it's great. You watch him dominate guys in high school, and and he was a dominant high school player and very worthy. Of you know being ranked in the top five based off of what his high school career is, and then you watch him at Cal, where guys are also bigger and stronger and smarter and more athletic, and have played the game, and and it just looks to me like Jalen Brown doesn't know what his game is. He doesn't doesn't know who he is, and he doesn't know what he can get away with um, at the college game, which just led him to very wildly inconsistent uh performances and and i'm not saying he can't figure it out i mean you hate to write off a guy that is as intelligent as he is and that has the physical tools that he is but you know let kevin talk to you talk to you about it because the the numbers on him of all the lottery picks are are just uh, are are historically scary
1: interesting all right this is self-serving to wrap up with chad but on my other podcast, Locked On Jazz, we do a yearly draft, and there are eight finalists that will be in the draft. So I'm gonna take walk you through the draft or through a excuse me, a bracket for the draft for the Utah Jazz in the twelfth pick and see what you would do. Baldwin, Wade Baldwin, or DeJounte Murray? Murray. Uh uh Korkmaz or Valentine? Korkmaz. Moving to the big bracket, Sabonis or Davis? Sabonis. Jakob Pertl or Ellison? This is for the Jazz we're talking about? Uh, This is just if you can just go general. How about you go general, not specifically for the Jazz?
0: Uh, Ellison. But for the Jazz, I'd take
1: Sabonis or Ellison to move into the finals? Ellison, Uh Murray or Korkmaz. Murray. Murray or Ellison in the bracket Murray. winner. DeJounte Murray. <laughs> I know.
0: I already know I already know. I'm I'm a I'm a big DeJounte Murray fan. I, I think if there's a guy outside of the top eight that's gonna hit uh, and hit big, it's gonna be it's gonna be him. I also think he could bust and he could he could bust big. But if he became even a Jamal Crawford in the NBA, I I, I really could see that. I could see him Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, you know something like that. I hundred percent could see.
1: Interesting. Uh, We talked about top eight, and since I mentioned uh, Pirtle in there, Pirtle's a guy was talked about high all year long. I suddenly don't have any idea where he's getting drafted. This may go back to the very beginning of the conversation, where you were talking about because of the style of the game, certain guys are falling. What is yeah. your backstep on Jakub Pertl?
0: I, I actually think his range is small. Actually, I think he's nine to fourteen.
1: Okay, uh, and I think
0: he, I think he goes Toronto, Milwaukee, are or are both. Toronto and Milwaukee are looking closely at him. The Jazz will look we know the Jazz will look closely at him. I actually think as a fourth big, he's a really, that's a really nice get, uh, you know, really talented kid to come in as your fourth big. Uh, and uh, and then if he gets past those three guys, then Chicago, who's losing both Noah and Pal Gasol via free agency next, next summer, guys, it seems like he can be one of your bigs, or you're going to probably still have to go on free agency and get, and get another guy, but he for sure could be one of them. And and I just see, I, I find a hard time seeing all four team, four of those teams saying, you know what, we're going to pass pass on this guy when when he fits a need uh, on all four of those teams, and there just aren't a lot of other centers in the draft. Nor are, it's not like they're just growing on trees in the NBA as well.
1: I mean, he is he's seven one, right? Like for all these other guys, Sabonis is six ten, Davis is six ten. He's seven one.
0: He's got soft hands. He he moves well. Uh, You know, I think he's a good pick and roll uh, uh, big man. Uh, He blocks shots. He rebounds. He's just not tough. I mean, he he got physically overwhelmed at times. I think he's going to continue to get physically overwhelmed at times. And he's not necessarily the sexy stretch guy. I mean, he can face the basket, but he's not out there sinking threes. He's he's a more traditional uh, high post big man. Uh, and you're right, the NBA just is devaluing those, but I I don't think that there's no value for players like that.
1: Do you think there's any surprise? We've established the eight. It's hard to say what a surprise is, since as we've talked about numerous times. Nine through 20, whatever, feels like it's all intermixed. Is there anyone you think jumps... Nine through fourteen that we don't expect to see. Is there a name, Is there somebody hot? Right? Somebody going to get Lindsay Hunter hot in the next? That's a really old reference. Uh, is somebody uh, gonna really get, old? Somebody going to get Lindsay Hunter hot here in the next four days?
0: I wonder a little bit about Juan Hernan Gomez uh, out of Spain. He seems to be working out to rave reviews. Uh, he's a potential draft and stash guy with teams that have multiple. Uh, first round picks and multiple picks sort of in that mid first round. Uh, he seems to me to be a guy that if he went like 13, uh, to the Suns or even like 12 to the Jazz, like wouldn't, wouldn't like shock me, uh, if I saw him go that high. I think for a lot of fans, they'd be like, what? Who is this guy? This, is, by the way, is Willie Hernan Gomez's brother, and Willie went, uh, in the second round of the Knicks last year. And he just seems to be just, just l- watching things. A guy that everywhere he's worked out, he's played better than what people expected, and uh, the fact that he's played and played well in the A.C.B. is a is a strong um, factor, a factor in his favor. Kevin Pelton's board, I think, had him ranked fifth in the draft, uh, and so analytically, um, he comes out really good. I mean, there's just a lot of things moving his direction right now uh, that he's probably a guy that people should should bone up on. He might end up being the second international player uh, to go off, the, go off the board ahead of court miles. I, I think there's a possibility that he could.
1: Fascinating. I thought you were going to say Malachi Richardson, but I guess since he's been invited to the draft room, that's not as surprising now, but that is, that happened this week, I guess would be that Malachi Richardson took the little jump. Yeah,
0: but you know, I've had Mal- Malachi Richardson in the top 15 for, you know, the past month or so. I, that, that, that to me is not, not a huge surprise. He, he's got, He's definitely got a um, constituency from 10 to 17 of multiple teams that are, are right there. Uh, and, and I, I think he, he, to me is, is more solid. I would say Murray, DeJounte Murray, who was also invited to the green room again, is a guy that I think some people didn't see in that range. Uh, we've had him, we've had him in that range for a little bit, uh, not a long time, but, you know, for the last month or so. Uh, but I, I, think that that was a guy a little bit like Alfred Payton just moved up and up and up the board, uh, at the last, last sort of minute and ended up going, uh, 10th. And I think that, I think Alfred surprised people that he went 10th. I think DeJounte sort of had a similar, um, rise.
1: You're trying to say that Alfred Payton would have been a better reference than Lindsay Hunter. might, might be a little bit more current. <laughs> so, so, so David, here's the question. Can I ask you a question? Yeah
0: because uh, this is the this is so this is fascinating to me and, and nobody seems to want to talk about it and it has to do with the number one pick in the draft uh why can't we just refer to ben simmons as a point guard that is what he is you cannot watch game film on this guy and not think it forget that he's six ten, two hundred forty 240 pounds for a minute this guy thinks like a point guard he plays like a point guard he acts like a point guard. He has point guard skills, and and I think a lot of the enigma around Ben Simmons is that everybody says, "Yeah, but he's six ten, he's two hundred and forty pounds. He, he can't play that way in the NBA. He can't be that. He's going to have to be a power forward. And then if he's a power forward, yeah, I, I think I think I think we should have him listed in the draft uh, at his position at point guard." And that we should quit saying, oh, the Sixers need a point guard or they need guard help. Why are they taking another big And Ben Simmons? Ben Simmons doesn't play like a big. He doesn't play anything um, like a big man. He is a point guard. And, and I think the most underrated story about all this is I think Philadelphia knows it. I think they know it. I think Brett Brown is comfortable enough in his own skin and, and with his job and what's sort of happening in Philadelphia – that they have an opportunity on that rebuilding team to go ahead and, and try it um, and, and let him actually handle the ball. You know, we flirted with this with LeBron. Um, the Cavs flirted. Paul Silas flirted with having LeBron James be the point guard on that team. If you remember in summer league, uh, his rookie year, LeBron played point uh, for them. And uh, and eventually got away from it because everybody's like, yeah, you know, I don't don't really know that he can be a point guard and maybe he's better in some other ways. I just don't think Ben Simmons is better anywhere else on the floor uh, than he is than he is a point guard. And I'm just curious what you think about this, because I think we're in a day and age with the NBA where we can let go of positions a little bit and we can let go of, you know, guys having to fit sort of the traditional mold. And, and And I think Ben Simmons could be the vanguard for this going forward.
1: Well, Giannis Adetokounmpo in Milwaukee last year is doing, by the second half of the season, is doing something similar. And what jumps out to me as you're talking, Chad, is... When Kumbo has the ball in his hands, then his number one weakness, which is his inability to take an outside shot, becomes irrelevant because the ball, as right. using a Pelton term, has gravity. Going back to Eric Spolster in the NBA Finals with Miami when he puts the ball in Wade's hands so that then everybody has to guard Wade and they have enough floor spacing around him. So if Simmons' weakness, and I'll tell you what, I had somebody in, around the league say to me the other day, if you're going to interview uh, Simmons this, this weekend, ask him the last time he worked on his jump shot and the implication was that he doesn't, which I thought was really interesting.
0: Um, That's ridiculous. I was in Cleveland. I watched him. I, I, he's taking hundreds of jump shots a day. I mean, these the NBA teams really think that the kid's not taking jump shots in practice? That's ridiculous. Or that
1: he didn't. Or, and he was shooting the ball really well. Or that he didn't when he was at LSU, maybe.
0: I, I don't think that was the case at LSU. I think that at LSU, he knew – That most of the time, which he could most of the time, he could put the ball on the floor and get to the basket. And if there was a higher percentage shot there, either scoring the ball himself or dishing it off to somewhere else than it was him shooting jumpers. I think he knows in the NBA that because of the way the defensive changes, that he's going to have to be able to stick open jump shots or he's going to have a problem in the NBA. I I just, sorry, I'm sorry to rant on that a little bit. No, that's fine. I, I, the 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 demonizing sometimes in a 19-year-old is, is crazy. Like, this kid is so arrogant that he thinks that he'll never have to take a shot at the NBA, never have to take a jump shot at the NBA, therefore he's refusing to, to do that in practices. I mean, I saw that kid take 100 NBA 3s in a workout that I was in, and they've got a shooting coach with him. They're doing all sorts of stuff with him. I, I, that's crazy. Okay, go ahead.
1: But I think the idea is, the idea, you know, or that he's even, even if you just say he's a ball-handling 2, a ball handling two. Right, I mean, I, I think yeah. it's very like even this is not nearly the same talent. But what I've said about Denzel Valentine is, that I actually think he's a six-six backup point guard who could finish games in a lot of nights in the NBA with the right matchups. Right. Okay, that's not. You know what? If you're if you're picking, frankly, if you look at the history of the draft, eleven down, forty-nine percent of the players ever become rotation players. Like, let's, you know, I know we're all going to shoot the moon because that's what happens. But if you look at picks 11 through 30 in the NBA draft, 49% of them become rotation players. Well, Denzel Valentine, I feel pretty comfortable as a rotation player in the NBA. Maybe not. Maybe, yeah. not. maybe the athleticism really comes to bite him. You know, it's hard to, you know, that's, I guess that's the concern. I feel pretty good. Like, to the, so, you know, that's where we were with Sabona. So on, on Simmons, yeah, I think there's something to it. If he's a ball handler one, two, or three, then his weakness at the current time is irrelevant. And it might be irrelevant if he's a one, two, or three offensively. It may only matter what he can defend defensively, and if we're switching everything, that matters less also because he can switch one through five.
0: It does, exactly. And then, and then I think you pair him in the backcourt uh, with, like, let's just – I'm just throwing out a name here. I'm not saying that they're trying to go get this guy or whatever, but, like, let's say you paired him in the backcourt with Avery Bradley. Um, right, and so you have a, a quicker, smaller guard that can guard ones and twos as well. And so, if you have a water bug that's sort of out there and it's, it's too quick and and fast, it's going to give Simmons problems that way. You switch, and uh, it also can shoot and stretch the floor, and also can ball handle in places. I, I I think that he creates a mismatch problem the same way Giannis did every night. The only difference is Simmons is a better passer. He's a better ball handler, and he's a better athlete than Giannis is. Not as long as Giannis, but I, think, I actually think at the same age, he's better at all three of those things uh, than Giannis is right now, and it took a coach like Jason Kidd to figure out, let's do this with this kid, and it takes away his biggest weakness and creates huge mismatch problems uh, for teams on the other end, and I, I think that's what's going to happen with Simmons, and I, that's why I think so much of the analysis. Of him and his weaknesses and why he shouldn't be the number one pick are missing. uh, They're missing the, um, you know, they're missing the the bigger picture uh, of what he could be. And and you're right. If he got a coach that was really old school and stuck in his ways and said, No, I'm going to stick this guy as a power forward and just ask him to rebound and stretch the floor, that he'd be a massive disappointment in the NBA. I think Ben Simmons would be a massive disappointment in the NBA in part because I think he'd be pissed off. He wouldn't know what to do. And um, he's not happy if you watch him at LSU when the ball isn't in his hands. He's not.
1: Yeah, no I mean, um just like most, most point guards are not happy when they're when they don't have the ball in their hands. This goes right back to where we started. I mean we might as well go full circle as we kind of did last time. But you I asked you what your takeaway is and and you're getting into how the game is changing. And I think it gets interesting on the game is changing. I think it's interesting on Simmons. It gets interesting on Ingram. I'm going to miss somebody in here, but I think it's interesting on Murray because I don't care if Murray's a one or a two. I just don't care. He'll have his ball, the ball in his hands. He can do either. I actually think Baldwin fits into this category. He's six, five with a six eleven wingspan. He can slide between one through three and maybe even one through four defensively. I know his mid range game is a disaster, but you know, that's why he's at 12. Uh, You know, if I was a, Bigger Valentine fan, I'd make the same argument on him. I I could, it makes sense to me, and that might be why he's at fifteen. You you can run down the list, and then you get to some of these other guys where, you know, the the old Courtney Lee type, which might be what uh, Beasley is, you know, who's the spot up shooting three and D guy that everyone used to like. That as much as everyone still likes that, you got to be able to play the ball in your hands a little bit. You got to be able to pass. You got to be able to do things. And those guys we just mentioned, I think, are. The guys who will be able to do that in this league, Chris Dunn, counts in there. Probably, Buddy Heald, I think, is a question mark of how much he can play. You know, as much with the ball in his hands, creating for others as just his own shot. You, you have probably have better thoughts at the top on some of those guys. Well,
0: look, I, 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 I think you and I just see this the same way, and 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 it goes back. At the top, we talked about the influence of the the Golden State Warriors, and 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 I think as much as we want to focus on on Steph Curry and 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 Clay Thompson. It's really Draymond Green that I think was the revelation. And I, I, I really think Dray, Draymond Green is the revelation here, right? like you, He fell to 34 or 35 in the draft because teams couldn't figure out how to take his skill set and really apply it to the NBA, right? Um, and, and the Warriors figured out how to take his skill set put him in a, a, a perfect position and then they had the right player too, right? You had the right mindset, the right work ethic, the right basketball intelligence, right? He had, he, he brought something to the table too. And it was the mixture of those two things. You have to have the right player, the right mentality, but also the right coach that sort of understands let's see how, how to do it. And, and, and how I look at the draft, I think this goes back to our last podcast again is you, you analyze every player and you try to figure out what could they be in the NBA? If you just took off all the restraints for a minute and, and you had a coach that really understood what this player's strengths and weaknesses are, what, what could they be uh, at the next level? And that's why Simmons just is so, so attractive uh, to me um, is what he could be. Um, with the right team. Gets on the wrong team, and I'm going to feel very, very differently about his future, but I could say that for all 30 picks in this draft, including Brandon Ingram, including Jamal Murray. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if Tom Thibodeau, for example, uh, is the right coach for Jamal Murray. I'm not sure that after coaching Jimmy Butler the last couple of years and and seeing sort of the defensive effort that J- Jimmy Butler gave every night, whether he might not get very, very frustrated with Jamal Murray very, very quickly and burying. Regardless of what it can do. Right. Uh, And so you've got to have the right coach, the right fit or whatever. But I I think the the proper way to evaluate the draft is to is to figure out, could this guy excel and how could he excel? And then, you know, we have to evaluate the draft the second time when the guys get drafted by who drafted him. And did they have a plan in place to really help this this player reach their potential?
1: It's a great point. I've talked about a lot. I think that's my essence of the Warriors is they just let every player play to their strength, right? They do because some of those guys off that bench have not been liked before.
0: Yeah, Andre Iguodala, you know, is now got to be he's got to be one of the most underrated players in the last decade um, in the NBA. But it wasn't until he really got to the Warriors that you really understood why.
1: And Mo Spates has been cut by a bunch of guys because he shot too much. So, they, you know what they told him to do? Go shoot.
0: You're right. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and and, and uh, so this revolution that's hitting the NBA, uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I think G- GMs are getting it. Uh, I think um, the media is starting to pick it up. I think the analytics folks have seen it happening for a while and have been talking about it for a while. And it's now, I think, in the hands of coaches uh, to take it the rest of the way and, and, and it, it it's going to be interesting to see which coaches can really adapt and which coaches are going to struggle to adapt uh, as we get, as we get to the next level, because I think this is the way it's going to go. I think it's good for the NBA. I think it makes the game more interesting and exciting. I think players like it. I think agents, um, like it. And I think you're going to start to see free agents as well began to make their decisions, not just based off money because money is everywhere now and not just based off geographic location, because uh, that's important, but it isn't the most important thing uh, But based on whether this coach can get the most out of me and allows me to play um, in, in a way that will allow me and my teammates to be successful.
1: He's Chad Ford. You can reach him at at Chad Ford insider on Twitter, follow him on ESPN. He'll be in New York for the draft. He's all over the place, and we are so thankful for an extended. I was planning to do thirty minutes; I did fifty. You know what? Well, well, what can I? I'm not good at keeping you short. I uh, for that, I will forever apologize to you.
0: Yeah, except I drug it out another twenty minutes at the end by asking <laughs> you a question, which then I went on a long diatribe about. So,
1: which, if anybody would like to notice, uh, happened, I happened at the thirty-four but, minute mark. I just want to point that out, just so I'm off the so I'm off he, the hook.
0: <laughs> Maybe it's Father's Day and David Locke needed to be somewhere. And maybe it's time for Chad Ford to give the apology to David Locke as his wife is standing uh, in the doorway tapping her foot at him right now and saying, I just cannot get this guy to shut up. So, uh, David, I'm sorry. Happy Father's Day. I'm in a hotel room. You're at home. Go enjoy your family in the finals.
1: Not that at all. Chad Ford, he's the best. Follow him all week long on ESPN. What a great time with Chad and a heated debate there at the end. Uh, thanks to utahmbaonline.com, to larsondigital.com slash locked, and, of course, to the SeatGeek app. Thanks very much for tuning in to Locked on NBA and subscribing to any of these podcasts on the Locked on Podcast Network.
0: Support for this podcast comes from NetSuite. NetSuite lets you run your business from your phone, so you can see what's going on with your company in real time. Go to netsuite.com podcast to get your free guide and find out why NetSuite is the last business system you'll ever need.